Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. This week, we speak with Andrea Buttrick of the Food Conspiracy Co-op on 4th Avenue, and we're going to get a look back and a look forward on this community grocer. Today is June 27th. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to U Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org, also available on your iPhone or Android if you download the Downtown Radio Tucson app. If you want to get us on the show, you can reach us on our website, lifealongthestreetcar.org, or on Facebook. You can also now find us on Instagram, because we're cool like that. Uh, Our show is housed just about anywhere you're going to find podcasts, and you can also ask your smart speaker to play Life Along the Streetcar podcast and see what happens. And we're going to start today's show with some news about a little resurgence of life. Kind of continuing on last week's theme of things happening in Tucson, wanted to make sure you were aware that starting tomorrow, the 28th, Downtown Radio is back in full force. The studio is open up, and our regular DJ lineups will be uh, happening. You can check all those out on the, the website, downtownradio.org. And, um, you know, we've missed some of these DJs and their fantastically curated shows. Happy that they are coming back. And, um, man, it's going to be a great a great week. So uh, you probably have no reason to go anywhere but 99.1 FM or stay on downtownradio.org. Uh, I have it on my app, which plays in my car, so I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be listening to anything else this week. Also news at the Fox Theater and the Rialto shows are starting back up in July. That's just like a month away. We're going to start seeing activity in those with a big push as we get into the fall and September and on. Um, lots of exciting things happening. So uh, stay tuned to Life Along the Streetcar as we feature a lot of these on our upcoming shows. And speaking of exciting things to come uh, in the very near future, uh, Food Conspiracy Co-op on 4th Avenue. They've been there for 50 years, and uh, if you've been down there, you know there's um, an entrance on 4th Avenue, and there's some parking behind it. But uh, it's sometimes we got to walk around the building to get there. Well, we found out not too long ago that they are putting in an east entrance, and uh, in exploring that, we realized they are doing a huge remodel all the way over to 3rd. So we have Andrea Buttrick on the show today. Uh, we spoke with her just a couple of days ago by phone, and she shared with us kind of the importance of having the food conspiracy co-op in our community and what we can expect here in the future. My name is Andrea Buttrick. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the communications coordinator at Food Conspiracy Co-op and have been in this position for eight or nine months at this point, but have been employed at the co-op for probably a sum total of seven years. Sum total of seven years. What happened seven (laughs) years ago that got you interested in the co-op? Well, so the the beautiful thing about the co-op is how much it just sort of sinks into folks' lives. So I became an owner uh, almost immediately when I moved to town 19 years ago. Um, and then maybe 16 years ago, I worked here briefly in the produce department. 
then went on to some other uh, more career-oriented jobs. And then when I found myself exhausted from those, ended up back at the co-op, employed up front as a cashier. And this place is, is a vibrant, lovely, healing place. So before long, I, I felt refilled and healed up and then uh, was promoted into the communications position. Uh, so it's really some total of seven years over, what is that, a, a 16, 18-year process. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. It's, it's like your, uh, your calling. It just, you keep trying to get away, but like, nope, you are supposed to be yes. <laughs> with, with the co-op. So tell us a little bit. We actually featured the co-op a few years ago, but if you can remind us what exactly a co-op is and, and uh, why it's important in a community. Sure. So the cooperative business model um, is the idea of being um, co-owned by our, by our shoppers. Um, so folks can uh, purchase equity, and at that point they then share in profits when we make profits, but really, most importantly, they share in the decision-making. We are a democratically run business. Uh, we have a guiding board, of course, uh, and a general manager. And those two entities uh, sort of work, work parallel and then work together to connect all, all of the different parts of the co-op. But the key really is the concept of, of shared ownership, shared decision-making, and shared resources. Um, so we, we use all that, that owner equity to do the work that we do. And then that, a good deal of that work is also in uh, education with the community uh, and connecting with local vendors and local producers so that the products we have available are um, healthy and organic and serving our community in the best way they can and um, available to the largest number of people that we can. So we really want to open as many pathways to, to healthy food for every person as is possible. Well, you mentioned you're an owner, so I'm guessing it's you had to drop down like 10, 15,000 to get uh, buy into one of these big, uh, <laughs> big grocery store chains. Is that how it works? Right, right. So that is the absolute beauty of the that experience of shared abundance. We've been talking a lot about that as we are moving into the expansion project and the capital campaign. The, the experience of shared abundance means we each bring what we have to bring, um, and in that, it, it exponentially grows in its power. So equity at the co-op at this point is $180. You can pay that all at once, or you can pay it in small increments over time. And once you have paid that $180 in full, you are a full owner. Um, and so it's really that idea that we each give a little uh, in order to be part of the much bigger whole. So it's as available and open to as many people as we can, uh, again. And we're always having the conversation about how we can make even that um, sometimes hefty equity. For some, that 180 is pretty, pretty quick and easy to come by. For many, it it's, continues to be a struggle, and we uh, are still having that conversation about how we can make it even more accessible to folks. Um, but it really is that experience of shared abundance, which is such the magic of the cooperative model and has existed throughout time. This is not a new thing that we in Tucson invented or that was invented in response to uh, even conventional food systems. Cooperative models have existed um, as long as people and culture have existed and have been really powerful in particular amongst communities of color who have uh, worked to pool resources in order to um, better serve, serve each other in the face of um, systems that do not serve them. Well, for full disclosure, I am also an owner of uh, 
the yeah. Food Conspiracy Co-op. So I do want to share that. And I, I, uh, I do not let people know the minimum amount. I tell them I am an owner, and I walk by, and they think I'm a big shot. So uh, <laughs> right. they, too, could be uh, involved with that. Uh, but you mentioned this, these co-ops have been around for a while. Tucson, how long, how long has it been here, and how long have you been on 4th Avenue? Oh, gosh, we are celebrating our 50th anniversary this year, which is just tremendously mind-blowing and wonderful. Um, and we have been 50 years in this same place on 4th Avenue. So what folks know as our tiny little parking lot off of Hoff Alley, so in between 4th Avenue and Hoff Avenue, um, that little parking lot is where we started 50 years ago with a few friends coming together and wanting to offer an alternative to conventional food systems and um, an alternative to offering more healthy food to folks in a way that, that made it more accessible, made it more affordable. So they drove off in lots of different directions and gleaned from um, the ranches and farms and producers and orchards from um, from around Arizona, southern Arizona, came back and swapped in the back parking lot. After a while, it got popular enough that they moved inside the building, um, what is now our same same building. Um, and at that point, it was still labor in exchange for food. So you came and volunteered some and, and boxed and distributed food, and then you got to take as well. Then it continued to grow. So we purchased, uh, I think we own two bays of the, of the front store at this point. We rent the third. And then most recently, six, eight years ago, I'm not sure. I think that's it's probably more like eight, ten years ago, we, we bought the building um, on the other side of Hoff Alley, what used to be Wingspan. So we own that building as well. And all of that, that stretch, that campus, as we call it, it's, is going to be um, what is renovated in the East Entrance Project. But, yeah, we're talking about 50 years on 4th Avenue, uh, along with all of the other amazing um, – small businesses and locally owned businesses that grew up at that same time in the 70s and we're still a part of that that nurturing historic fourth avenue community well and i definitely want to talk about the capital campaign and the expansion because that blew my mind when i saw it but before we get to that just a couple of questions about the the evolution of um the way the the, the food conspiracy co-op is is working because i would assume 50 years ago or maybe between 50 years and now there's been uh, ebbs and flows to uh, local produce and organic usage, um, mm. and you've been through all of that. But right now, we're we're in an area where we seem to see a lot more marketing around the importance of supporting our local producers. How does that play into like a, 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 an economy for health and, and financial reasons? How does that play into a community? Mm. Yeah, so that's a great. Um, that's a great and necessarily insightful question, and I'm going to be super honest. There are folks who have been here longer that can speak better to some of what has happened historically with the co-op, but I will say that right now um, we are absolutely, Food Conspiracy is absolutely taking ownership and responsibility for um, the critical importance of elevating local producers, and there's so many reasons for that. And we just, one of them we just experienced this past year in pandemic the co-op suffered shortages of toilet paper like everybody else did and yeast like everybody else did but other than that we were able to keep um, eggs and dairy stocked we were able to keep vegetables stocked and the majority of our of our bulk availability we changed the way we shopped bulk but we were still able to offer flowers and grains and beans um, and all organic options 
throughout that stretch of time when other grocery stores were empty. And a good deal of that had to do with the fact that our suppliers, many of them are local, which meant they were not struggling with the transportation issues that the bigger chains were struggling with. Uh, it was a much more direct relationship. So that is critical, and it, it's what lets us know that the cooperative model and the local model of of production and um and grocery stores is is really the wave of the future. It's so built into our history, but it's very much the wave of the future also. But another critical piece is that, um, and, and it is part of our history, that some of what of the folks who originally started us were responding to is this idea that organic food uh, was inherently more expensive and therefore only available to folks who had the resources for it. And it really was, especially buying um, in the bulk model and the labor for food trade model, was really in response to that, that everybody has the right to that and that the kind of healthy, organic, locally produced heritage food, all of the things that has, have big price tags on them now, um, that was real food historically when people were growing their own food. And we wanted to get back to that. So it, it back then, but also right now, we are really claiming our responsibility in making sure that organic and healthy food is available to every person in a way that is accessible and that comes with the education to um, to cook with it because that's a big deal too. Cooking with whole ingredients is different than convenience foods um, and requires time that many folks may not have available. That's time as a resource as well. Uh, and really claiming our responsibility in, it's interesting, we talk about food deserts in town, um, and, and in food uh, availability culture. But one of the things the organic food wave did was actually create food deserts. We think we're, we're part of the solution, but historically we've not been. We've created food deserts by making organic food inaccessible to a good majority of people. So part of our message at this point at Food Conspiracy is to be very clear that we are, have been responsible for creating food deserts and we wanna change that. So as uh, more of the construction comes in, as more folks are walking and biking to get to their to the food that's available, and we're their only resource, we want to make sure that we are an accessible resource, and we're really owning that responsibility. So that organic and local model is critical. We are listening to Andrea Buttrick of the Food Conspiracy Co-op, and we'll finish up that interview in just a moment. First, I want to remind you that you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and streaming on downtownradio.org. And we're back here with Andrea Buttrick of the Food Conspiracy Co-op, talking about the explosion of population here in the urban core and what we can expect in the very near future from the expansion of the uh, co-op. Because, you know, we're seeing a density explosion here in, in uh, the urban yes. core, and, and, and that's that's affecting you. With, you know, are, are you able to keep your your supply up enough to serve the this growing community we we absolutely are as far as that goes um but there is no doubt that that the explosion of construction and people and and tourism uh, continuing tourism um is what has made it possible for us to respond to that request from our owners that we've had for years and years to do this expansion and to put in an east entrance. We have got to be more accessible. We have got to have better flow in our space. We have to be more shoppable uh, and we have to be more welcoming. So the expansion at this point is very much in response to 
Um, it's not the sole reason, but this is the moment when we can do this and when we have to do this. And I want to be clear that it's we have to do this not just for food conspiracy to, to quote, survive, but really we have to do this in order to live up to our mission. Our mission of serving our, our community with healthy organic food, of keeping as much capital and economic resources in our community as opposed to, you know, being given to big producers outside, outside of Tucson, outside of Southern Arizona, outside of the Southwest. Um, in order for us to live up to our mission, we have to be more efficient, more accessible, better flow. We have to be greener and more sustainable. And all of those things are built into uh, our expansion project. And it can happen right now because of exactly what's happening in Tucson. You know, I, I first heard about this expansion. I, I don't. I don't exactly remember where, but I remember reading an article and, and it talked about an east entrance, which I'm a fan of because I park in the parking lot and then you kind of have to walk around yep. to get in. And I thought that's really cool. They're putting in an east entrance, and that was the extent of my understanding. And I recently saw a presentation, and was absolutely blown away that what you're just talking about. This is a massive. Um, change in in that footprint can you tell us a little about what's going to happen yeah absolutely because it really is you're, you're completely right the um so at this moment we have like like we've talked about the the main store that that folks are familiar with uh, up against fourth avenue what not everybody is aware of is that our campus crosses hoff alley hoff avenue um and includes the building two-story building uh parking lot and garden that then presses up against uh, Tucson High and Third Avenue. So that whole swath is is uh, is co-op. So what we're going to do is, um, yes, build an entrance on the east side of the building, but we're also going to extend the east side of the building. We're going to add an east entrance that will add 2,000 square feet of retail space, uh, a covered entryway that will also have green and gathering space. So there will be a place for, um, for, for folks to hang out. We'll have uh, produce bins really bring out the, the vibrancy of the inside, outside. Uh, we'll have a stage, a performance stage, which means live music. It means lectures. It means um, food presentations and, um, and classes, all of that right here on our space. We will uh, shade the whole, whole stretch with um, local native shade food trees. And we'll, that will all then expand across, like I said, across Hoff Alley. And on the east side will be where all of the parking is. So we're going to add 33 parking spaces, um, a handful of uh, electric vehicle charging stations, which we can add or subtract as needed. We, of course, will have handicapped parking spots. All of that will, will also will address the grade. Because one of the issues in our, inside the store, as well as in the back of the store, is we have some really sharp grades, which makes it really inaccessible for folks using any kind of mo mobility aid um, or families with children, any of those things that where sharp ramps are just not helpful. It's also really unsafe for our staff. Our staff is rolling heavy carts of product up and down these really steep, often get wet and slippery ramps. So that'll all be dealt with um, in addressing the grade. We also are not going to blacktop the whole thing. We're going to remove all the asphalt and have permeable parking surface. So that means all of our precious desert rain can come, come right down through, serve our shade trees, and really green up um, this, little, this little area of 4th Avenue that we are in charge of. So it's going to allow us to be much more sustainable, much more beautiful. Um, and we'll add a, an entrance off of 3rd Avenue. So you'll be able to come in off the alley or off of 3rd, 
park, um, walk through a beautiful shaded corridor with a clear, clear pathway, clear trajectory to the back of the store, um, and then enter the store. And within the store, we're going to open things up a good deal so that the flow is is exponentially increased. You'll be able to shop comfortably, openly, find what you need, learn about new things, interact with each other and with staff. Staff will be able to be more present to you. And staff will benefit greatly with uh, more creative and better flow workspaces. And all of this not only is going to increase our accessibility, but is going to increase our, um, our financial gains. So we will be able to pass that on to staff. That means we'll be able to hit that $15 an hour or more base staff wage. Uh, we'll be able to be better stewards of our space and our staff. And we'll be able to be better... Uh, at fulfilling through action our social justice um, food claims that we that we have made to Tucson, and we'll be able to do that now just by increasing the accessibility of our store. All those things can happen. That's that is just an amazing stretch to think that this this will go from Fourth to Third Avenue with uh, Hoff Avenue in between and all connected. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that $180 per owner is not going to be quite enough to make all of this happen. So you're probably doing some fundraising. Yes. So we. Um, Project all told, we will be pulling capital from several different routes, including a, a bank loan and including some of our own cash reserves. But yes, absolutely, we are going to, we are in the middle of, actually, we're not in the middle of, we are in the last six days of <laughs> our capital campaign. Um, and so when, when you all get to hear this on um, its first broadcast, we will be in the last weekend of our capital campaign. And our capital campaign is pretty unique. We have engaged a model that is used by co-ops successfully across the country um, that is a preferred shares program. So we've talked about the equity that folks buy uh, in order to or pay into in order to be owners at the co-op. Preferred shares are additional shares that folks can purchase um, on top of their equity. Those shares then, of course, are used by the co-op to do what we're about to do. To, um, to build this expansion and to get us off the, the ground with that new space over the next eight to 10 years. And then we're projected after those first eight to 10 years to pay all of those preferred shares back. Over that stretch of time when we have people's shares, the money from people's shares, we'll be paying an annual dividend on them. So it's very different than a crowdfunding or a donation campaign that is so usually used. In this case, it is a mutually beneficial um, reciprocal re relationship. Uh, those shares will allow folks to receive a return, an annual dividend, and they allow us to do the expansion that we need and then reimburse all those shares back. So it's pretty unique, really effective, um, a true cooperative model. And uh, we're right at the end of it. So if anybody's feeling that, that desire, they should absolutely come knocking because now's the chance to be a part of uh, this next, the next 50 years of Food Conspiracy Co-op. And if you've had any trouble sort of envisioning what this would look like, I really invite you to check out the Food Conspiracy website. There's a really great series of renditions of what this project's going to be when it's complete. Thank you, Tom, very much. It has always been an honor to be on 4th Avenue. Uh, the streetcar has allowed us to be connected to a, a wider swath. Again, we have so many folks that are that are walking and biking to our space and who were forced to do that because we had such horrible parking. Now we have great parking, um, or will have great parking, and being on the streetcar just means we're even more connected um, to, to the wider culture of this stretch, and that's, that's 
that's wonderful. That's what makes Tucson really special. So thank you for featuring us on your show. And yeah, everybody come on down and, and explore and see and, and figure out the way that you in particular want to be a part because the cooperative model means all those resources and, and ways of participation are welcome. And if you want to head down to the co-op, I just found out today, the 27th, they have a, a big promotional special they're doing as they're wrapping up the uh, the campaign, uh, capital campaign. So head over to the Food Conspiracy Co-op this afternoon. I know I'll be there checking it out. Well, my name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio 99.1 FM and streaming on downtownradio.org. And while you're at downtownradio.org, check out our schedule. Starting tomorrow, our full lineup of DJs is back and uh, many of them are back in the studio and uh, coming up right after our show here is words and work with tedsky talking about uh, the labor movement and uh, always has interesting guests on each and every week well our episode number 157 is complete thank you to andrea from uh, spending some time with us with the food conspiracy co-op and talking about the future of that space can't uh, can't wait to check that out and if you have any topics for the show uh, let us know here on um contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. That is our email address. Tell us the uh, topics that you would like us to cover. Maybe just tag us in something cool on Facebook or, you know, better yet, um, you know, share something on our page that you think we should explore and uh, follow us and we'll, we'll follow back. Appreciate uh, all of the suggestions we have for the show and excited about next week because we're going to, this, this literally show is out of this world because we're going to talk with Julie Bonner about the the place in space for Tucson. A lot of things happening uh, centering around the University of Arizona that are taking us into space. So on that uh, holiday, July 4th, Independence Day weekend, we will be talking with Julie about outer space. And as we uh, wrap up the show today, we're going to leave you some music that's uh, inspired by our very own Mr. Nature. If you haven't uh, heard his show, please tune in Sunday mornings. He kicks off our fabulous Sunday lineup at 7 a.m. every week on Sunday. And uh, his show is a very interesting mix of songs that might be considered children's songs. But I'll tell you what, as an adult, I, I get a, a lot of uh, cover versions of songs that I've heard and, uh, and love uh, where he finds these. Uh, these. And when you hear our outgoing uh, song today, you'll know what uh, Mr. Nature is all about. Well, I hope you have a good week. I hope you tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar. And uh, in honor of Mr. Nature, we're going to leave you with a little song by Raffi. And uh, you're going to be listening to The Corner Grocery Store. <laughs>